preparing our hearts and minds for the return of Jesus Christ. My name is Josiah Moldenhauer. In our last episode, we were talking about the cost of following Jesus, about what we need to leave behind. He might be asking us to leave behind in order to follow him. Today, we're going to talk about more of what that looked like to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus in the first century. At the time of Christ, there were rabbis and there were Talmudim. And we're going to look into that first century relationship between the teacher and the disciple, which are rough estimates for words that we would use in our English to describe that. In order to do this, we need to take a step back. So close your eyes, well, if you want to, if you're, it's safe to, and you're not driving or something. Picture first century Galilee. So Galilee was a unique region. It was above Judea, and they had their own unique culture. And it's interesting to read about them. We're not going to get into too much about that today, but most of Jesus' disciples were from Galilee, and and Jesus, of course, was himself from Nazareth in Galilee. So that is an important context to have in mind. Much of this podcast is actually taken, actually almost pretty much all of it, <laughs> of the ideas and content are taken from Ray Vanderlaan's Let the World May Know. And on his, he has a film, film series called Let the World May Know, and he has an article on his website that talks about these things that we're about to, to address. So enjoy, and if you have your Bibles, we'll be looking at some references a little bit later. So we're looking at looking now at the the Galilean Jewish education system, how they trained their young people. They had what was called the Mishnah. The Mishnah is oral interpretations of scripture that from the rabbis that were dated from the first century BC and the first century AD, and they were recorded and written down in the second century. So that's where we get this information. The Mishnah shows several different levels of education or times of life when the children or young people, young adults, were ready for something new. So when they were five years old, they started studying scripture and they learned the Torah. They memorized the Torah, which were the first five books of the Old Testament. And then by the time they were 10, they were ready for the Mishnah. And that was, like we said before, the oral tradition. It was the oral Torah with the interpretations of it, the interpretations of the rabbis. By 13, age 13, they were right and old enough to fulfill the commandments. That means to, to, to know them and to obey them, to follow them. By 15, they were ready for the Talmud. And that was making the interpretations that the rabbis had made, knowing those interpretations. And then 15, excuse me, we used 15, uh, 18, they were ready for marriage, 20, ready for a vocation, and 30, old enough to teach others, to have authority to teach. So the best students of these, of these early, of the primary students, like we said earlier about the ones that learned to memorize the Torah and went through these, these other parts, the best students 
went to Midrash, which was a secondary school taught by the rabbi. And here they learned the writings and the prophets. The writings would be things like Joshua, Judges, Esther, different history books like that. And then the prophets would be, of course, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hosea, those kind of prophets. And so they, they learned oral interpretations of the Torah and applied those, applied those to their lives. And memorization was very key in all of this. The only text was actually most likely the village scroll, which was at the synagogue. So it was very important that they would have things committed to memory. Now, a few of these secondary students would seek out to travel with a rabbi, and they were called Talmidim. And this would be translated in our words as disciple. So these students, they weren't just trying to learn material or pass a test. They were trying to, they were aiming to become like the rabbi, not just in knowledge, but in practice, in lifestyle. This is a short summary of what the Jewish religious studies would look like at that time in Galilee, the time of Jesus. In Jesus' time, rabbi didn't necessarily mean teacher, but it was a term of respect. It, it would come to mean teacher later, but it meant my master or great one. Now, a certain amount of rabbis, of course, there was many rabbis that taught, but there was a certain smaller number of rabbis that taught with authority. And they could make new interpretations of the text and pass legal judgments. They had what was called the yoke of the Torah, or the yoke of the kingdom of heaven. And these rabbis who had this authority would present a yoke as their interpretation. The people were accustomed to hearing these different interpretations, which were called yokes, that the, these rabbis with authority would give people to, they would follow those interpretations and live by them, that was the yoke of their teaching. So, it's interesting, when Jesus... It talks about Jesus in Matthew 7, 28 and 29. Now we're going to start looking up some, some references. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority, and not as their scribes. So they recognized Jesus' authority here. Now the, the goal of the rabbi wasn't just to interpret the scripture, but to interpret it so that it could be obeyed. Be obeyed correctly. And... Their term for this was to fulfill. They fulfilled the commandments by interpreting them correctly and obeying them. And so Jesus came, and in Matthew 5, 27-28, he said, You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus was looking past the practicing of the commandment and into the condition of the heart. He was taking this a step further. Now, most students, they would look for rabbis, but on rare occasions, there were some exceptional rabbis who looked for their students. The rabbi would judge the ability of the student to become like himself. He would judge how committed that the individual was. So when Jesus called his disciples and said, follow me, this expressed his confidence in their ability to become like him and their commitment level.
let's look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Another translation says, If you hold to my teaching, you are truly my disciples. And so there that is again that not just knowing it, but obeying it, following it. So Jesus says, A mark of a true disciple of his is someone that holds to his teaching that actually follows what he teaches. Then he said, you will know the truth. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, let's look at another scripture here in Luke 14. Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, Yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. Excuse me, and come after me, cannot be my disciple. So, that's also including a verse 27. This is a high commitment level. Jesus is comparing our love for family, for those close to us, to our love for him. And that nothing else can come in between our commitment for him. So our, our love and devotion to him must be so so great that in contrast to that, it's almost as if we hate our those close to us. This isn't talking about literally hating like as in hating like wanting to murder someone, but it's that comparison of like where our devotion is is actually focused, the contrast. Jesus asked us to give up everything. And the disciples in that time, if they were really serious about following a rabbi, that Talmudim that we talked about, they were committed. They devoted their time to observing and listening to the teacher, understanding the scripture, and practicing it, becoming like their rabbi. Let's look at a few more scriptures here. Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So here, Jesus is showing us that if they persecuted him, if they called him, which was, this was one of their words for the devil, if they, if they were blaspheming him like that, how much more are they going to call us false names or persecute us? Because it's enough for the disciple to be like his teacher. We are to be like our teacher and the servant like our master. Another verse here in Luke chapter 6, verse 40. Luke 6, the Gospel of Luke chapter 6, verse 40. A disciple is not above his teacher. Everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. So there's that goal we talked about before. The goal of the student, the disciple, the Talmudim, 
I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to say that correctly, um, that Hebrew word. I think it must probably be Hebrew, I'm guessing, I'm not sure. But that word that they would use for becoming the, the one that was becoming like their rabbi and learning from him when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. And that's right from the Bible. So what a progression and what a a challenge for us of becoming like Jesus. When Jesus chose his disciples, and I'm not going to read every part of it, but in Mark chapter 3, uh, verse 14, it says that he appointed 12, whom he named apostles, excuse me, whom he also named apostles. Apostles means sent ones, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach. And he goes on to say how he gave them authority to cast out demons, and then names the 12 disciples. So these that he appointed, they became like him. And over here in John chapter 13, John chapter 13, verse 13 and following, Jesus says, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash my another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus expected and asked his disciples to do the things he did. That was that was to, to follow in his footsteps, to become like him. Uh, Craig Keener, in his uh, one of his, his commentaries of the New Testament, he says, Students uh, or adherents of rabbis or philosophers normally committed to memorizing and living according to their master's teachings. Members of schools could pass the teachings on as can canonical from one generation to the next. So that was the norm for those times, that the students would become like their teachers, not just in knowledge, but in lifestyle and practice and how they lived. And so this is a high standard for us as believers in Jesus to become like our master, the teacher. Of course, our master and teacher is Jesus Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Son of God, who is fully God and fully man. He's the one that we follow. We can't do this in our own strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to live this. And this keeps us dependent on the Lord and hopefully more so day by day because as he asks us to do more things or to deny ourselves in other ways that we haven't before and take up our cross and follow him, then we need to rely more on his spirit because we can't do it in our old flesh, in our old nature, what it wants. We, we must yield to him, like it says in Romans 12, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holding unto him. And this is our act of worship. This is our reasonable service, like I think that King James says. So, wow, what a picture of the first century. Talmudim and Rabbi 
the Talmudim, the, the student, the disciple, learning from his rabbi and becoming like him, not just memorizing and knowing, but becoming like him in his life, how he very practiced and lived his life. Let's let this be a challenge to us and how we live. And let's ask the Lord how he would have us to become more like him. We're all in different places on our journey with him. We all come from different backgrounds and he knows, he knows us and he knows what parts of us need to change in order that we may become like him, to be imitators of Christ. So, let's say a prayer together. Father, Father God, help us to become more like Jesus, like your son. And we ask for the power of your Holy Spirit to do this. And let us become more like you tomorrow, today, the next day, day after day, than we were yesterday. And we thank you, Lord, for your grace. And we know this is all by your grace. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Until next time, may the love of God and the perseverance of Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now forevermore.